Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hellbow, and welcome to episode number six of A.K.A. Sports, and here in season two, we are moving right along, and today's topic is actually one of the more fun ones, especially if you're a historian of sports, if you love stats and like to look at the really weird ones, today is your type of topic, and with me, as always, uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, simply known as Fletch. Fletch, welcome back to the show. Hopefully your weekend yes, went well. Uh, quickly, let's jump uh, to the topic, uh, actually a little bit of a bonus topic, is tell me your thoughts of the Super Bowl as well as your thoughts of the halftime show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, man, it was a great game, to be honest with you. Um, I, the one thing I will be honest about, though, Clark, it it did. I I don't know what it was that lacked a little bit of umph with the game. Like the game was really good. It was close. It was just something about it that I feel like needed one more like turn to really give us like a climatic finish or a cinematic finish. Like, but all in all, it was a great football game. Um, Aaron Donald was amazing. Cooper Cup was a was a beast on that last drive. Um, both teams came to play. Joe Burrow had a pretty good game. He just, I mean, the second half, they couldn't protect him. So, um, overall, man, um, I'm happy. I stuck with my, my 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 pick, though, man. I picked the Rams, beginning of the season, preseason, beginning of the season, midseason playoffs, and I'm happy they did it. I'm happy they did it. I'm happy Los Angeles got one. Um, before I talk about the Super Bowl, the halftime show, I'll kick it back to you, man. What do you think about the game? Uh, the game was a great one. It was almost kind of – it's interesting that you brought it up. That it was kind of needing something else. I think we all kind of had that expectation that maybe one of these teams would get off to a very quick start. Uh, we'd actually mentioned it before that the Bengals typically, offensively speaking, got a little bit slower start over the last several mm -hmm. games. So we kind of almost had that half expectation that the Rams would get to a big lead. Cincinnati would have to battle their way back and – they just never – neither team really separated themselves, which made it a great game. But to your point, yes, it was kind of missing just something towards the end, maybe a, a long pass that was dropped or something along those lines. But I can't complain. A phenomenal game. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm very, very pleased. Obviously, uh, people on Facebook and uh, social media was all about the missed calls here and there, but honestly, it was probably one of the best officiated games I've seen in quite some time. Uh, didn't really truly affect the outcome. Yeah, you could talk about uh, the linebacker situation, but his hands were wrapped around him. Maybe not a tug, but if you're a referee looking at it, you're giving them the opportunity to at least reach down for their flag, just waiting for some, some kind of jerking motion uh, to make it a little bit easier for them. But can't complain. It was a phenomenal game. Uh, this is, interestingly enough, exactly what was kind of predicted when you didn't really work on the offensive line, and the Rams made the adjustment at halftime to give Aaron Donald the ability to get to Joe Burrow quite often that second half. I think he was sacked nine times, which is a Super Bowl record. Yeah, it, it was yeah. a good game, and it, it turned out to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, as for the halftime show, actually, I wasn't watching it. I was actually driving home. I did watch it later, so I know what the halftime show was. I was mm -hmm. in the middle of playing the game of Am I Still on the Road during the snowstorm. Um, <laughs> Trying to get back home to get to the second half. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was snowing so hard here that I, you couldn't see the road anymore. And since there yeah. were no cars on the road, since they're all watching the Super Bowl, I was the first one on those parts of those roads. So... I was the, I was the set of tracks for everybody else to follow, but uh, anyways, I really enjoyed the halftime show. Clearly, if you were a uh, of age in my generation, you loved it. If you're a little bit older, you were not liking it. If you're a little bit younger, you weren't sure who was standing on stage. Uh, but overall, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Fletch, what were your thoughts of the halftime show? Man, I loved it. I loved it. Um. I mean, uh, honestly, man, I really haven't. I can't. I can't remember a very bad halftime show. I'll just be honest about that. Like, there's some artists that I just have no interest in whatsoever. 
Um, but I do, you know, at least know some of the songs with them being classics. But at the same time, um, being the first time, it was like a, it was a, it was a hip, it was a hip hop artist. Like we got, we've gotten close. We've gotten R and B artists, but like not, not a, not a hip hop artist, and not a whole bunch of them either. So it was really, it was really dope to see that happen at the Super Bowl with uh, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, um, Kendrick Lamar being from Los Angeles. That was kind of cool. Um, that was that was it was definitely one of my favorites that I've ever seen. It's up there with one of the one of the my. And I don't want to be a prisoner in the moment and just say you know, it was the great Super Bowl halftime show ever. Like there's been some great ones, and I don't want to be biased to my my preference in music. But this is definitely one of the best halftime shows I've ever seen. Yeah, it definitely hit the nostalgia note. Uh, oh, for sure. A lot. And that's kind of where, just like you're saying, try not to be the prisoner of the moment. But mm-hmm. definitely if you grew up wa- or listening to that music, yeah, it was it was like, oh, yep, that was back in high school for sure. Uh, yep. Listening to all that music. So absolutely phenomenal show. Great game. Obviously, now we have to wait this entire off season. There's still be... A lot of moves happening back and forth, but I think Bengals fans understand that maybe they're just a a year ahead of schedule from where they technically should have been, Uh, and it would not shock me if the first, or basically all their draft picks are offensive linemen. Uh, They will be gunning heavy to make sure Joe Burrow doesn't end up like Andrew Luck, which, sadly to say, in some retrospect, he is kind of on that same path of he may have to retire early if he continues to get sacked as many times as he has. Um, Every hit he takes, the window closes. Yes. The window, the window becomes smaller. I'm sorry, yes. the window becomes smaller. Like you have to, if you want this, that you have. If you're the Bengals, and I had to really get off on this tangent. If you're the Bengals, you have what the quarterback, the running back, and I believe two wide receivers under the age of 25. And you had and, and the quarterback threw for four thousand. The running back had over over a thousand yards, and then you I think both receivers had over a thousand yards as well. And they're under twenty five. The window should be about ten years. Right. Let's not let's let's not put a cap on that, Cincinnati. Please, please. We need we need Joe Burrow until he's at least mid thirties. <laughs> Right. I mean, it was unfortunate the first accident they had last year is rookie year. But, I mean, you're just playing with fire as many times as he's been sacked. And this offense is just, it's too fun to watch to see him, you know, shorten his career because we just can't get the right protection around him. But I believe they will address that. They've got the young receiving core. This team will be very exciting moving forward. They just have to. They're that close. They're that close. They really are. Um, But before we jump into our main topic of the day, Fletch, tell the people if they want to continue to listen to us or if they want to suggest things to us, where can they find us? Yeah, I should know where to find us by now. But let's get into it. Hit us up on Twitter, a.k.a. SportsPod. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash a.k.a. Sports FB, hit us up on YouTube. All you got to do is punch in, a.k.a. Sports. We're everywhere, Clark. Every podcast, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts I don't even know about, to be completely honest with you. Hit us up, Anchor FM uh, slash a.k.a. Sports. Also, just go to Anchor, search a.k.a. Sports. You will find us. You can hit me up on Twitter directly. Give us something uh, that you want us to debate. Tell us how, Tell us your opinions. Interact with me if you like. I do talk a little bit of trash on there about not just what we talk about on air, but also about other sports as well. So that's where you can find us. Clark, I'm going to kick it back to you. Let's get this shindig started. Absolutely. And like I said, if you are into the stats, if you're in the historical history of any given sport, you're going to like the topic that we're having today because we're going to be talking about, quote unquote, unbreakable records. And there's always a list out there. You can find them all over the place. We actually found the one that will be Uh, referencing the most today off Bleacher Report. And these are the type of records that they deem to be unbreakable. Records that just, there is no seeable path for anyone currently or maybe even in the considerable future uh, to actually break. And we kind of wanted to pick several of them out here today. We wanted to discuss them to see if they're actually unbreakable, if they should be on this list, or maybe even they shouldn't be based on 
a working definition that we have to go on. I think the working definition that we kind of agreed upon off air was what a truly unbreakable record is, is an achievement either by a individual or a team that there is no current path or current set of variables within the sport, nor is there a foreseeable path or foreseeable set of circumstances or variables uh, that would allow a player or a team to obviously break the record. Uh, for example, we will start with actually Cy Young. And as old as the sport is in baseball, there, if you look back in the 1800s, you're going to be looking at a lot of names that you don't recognize, uh, as well as records that just there is no foreseeable set of circumstances based on how the sport has evolved to, to currently, as well as where it's going. And to speak of, Cy Young has two really specific ones. Number one, career wins all time, 511. And then he also has another record of career complete games, which is 749 for his career. Now, the reason that they're completely unbreakable in my mind, and I think Fletch, you'll agree with me as well, is simply where the sport is. Right now, if you have a pitcher that gets to 300 career wins, which is Hall <laughs> of Fame level career, mm -hmm. I mean, you get there, you're in a specific club, you're going to make it to the Hall of Fame. That's phenomenal. You have to add another 200 of a career on top of that to get close. Untouchable. Exactly. It's the way the game has been played. It's There's no one currently in unless there's another Cy Young out there that can use the type of rules that are currently for baseball to their advantage. I just don't see it. Nor is the complete games record in any type of jeopardy. 749. If a mm -hmm. player in this generation gets to 10 complete games in a season, they're vying for, of course, the Cy Young Award. They're having a phenomenal season. If you do that multiple times, you're going to be pushing for the Hall of Fame. And that's Maybe if they average, average, you know, eight to ten somewhere in there, which is obviously Hall of Fame level. In order to get to his, you have to average forty for nineteen consecutive seasons. Unbreakable record. <laughs> forty in a season. That's crazy. I looked it up, and the last person to get at least thirty-three was a name of Robin Roberts, which I don't think many know. But he pitched in 1956 was the last time somebody got that many. 56 was the last time somebody got to 33. And you have to average 40 in order to touch it. It's just not going to happen the way the game's played now. Relievers are getting paid a bunch of money. Closers are getting paid a bunch of money. The Yankees have been pitching a system where their starters, if you can get six innings of solid baseball, mm -hmm. that's, that's all you're pitching. They will not give you any more. So if you're a not Yankees pitcher, anymore. it's not necessary. There's going to be some pitchers that, if their pitch count is low enough, they'll mm -hmm. give them the opportunity to pitch longer. But if you're in the sixth inning, you've given up two hits, so you're not working on a no-hitter or anything like that, and you're already up at like 90 pitches, there's a really good chance the manager's going to pull you. Facts. It's it's just the way the game's played and the way that the game is evolving into more of we're going to have a universal HD come or DH coming up uh, this coming year. It would have to devolve back to the 1800s in order for these records <laughs> to even have a chance. And obviously that's never going to happen. So that's an example of a truly unbreakable record that there is no current way or current player nor is there any foreseeable way or foreseeable player. Not that a player couldn't exist, but just the way the game's evolved, they're not going to get touched. And that's the thing. That's the thing that separates too, because I think a lot of times we will get enamored with, you know, these all time, we'll say goat level, goat level players or goat level athletes. The thing is, is that we're not saying they're not capable. The way the sport is played, it just won't happen. There's no way in hell. <laughs> like some of those, the ones that you mentioned, they will just never happen. There's not a way. Um, 
so that's that's one thing I wanted to kind of separate too, because a lot of times we get like, well, so and so could have done it. Like, okay, yes, and in, in in that time, sure, possibly. In today's leagues and associations and whatnot, not a shot. Yeah, it's it's just not going to happen. But that being said, we're going to go from one extreme, and maybe we'll find some more that's not as extreme as Cy Young. Fletch, go ahead and start us off with one of those records that is listed as unbreakable and tell us if you truly believe it belongs on this list or do you think otherwise? Well, there's a few, to be honest with you. And the one that I'm going to actually bring up is I'm going to bring up the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost 26 games in a row, Clark. Uh, could you say that number one more time? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost 26 games in a row. Wow. How many games are in a season? There's, there, there's, there's what? How many? Yeah, how many games are in a season then? I guess when, when was this? The 80s, I believe, or the 90s? Back then, it was 16 games, and I don't think they played anything less than that. I could be wrong. Yeah, because it definitely moved from 14 pretty early. So 16 games. They lost a season plus 10 more games straight. Yeah, that is crazy. That's a lot of games to just straight be bad. <laughs> yes, that is a lot. This is the, what's this, the paper bag era? The brown paper bag? Yep. Okay. So um, now I brought this one up because I found that this one was interesting to me. It is I, I, uh, under the term unbreakable record. This is something that I that I wouldn't necessarily categorize under our definition. However, there are some that believe that this record won't be touched. There's not going to be an NFL team that loses. Excuse me, this many games in a row. Um, I am going to say that this record will be broken. Interesting. I, I don't know when exactly. I think I'm going to be alive to see it, though. Oh, okay. So you think it's, like, within your lifetime? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What's your take on it? It's interesting. Because uh, this is an obviously a team record. The last team that came somewhat close is, like, the Detroit Lions losing 14 consecutive games. Uh, so it's... It's still rough because you still have another uh, several more games, you know, there are another 12 games to catch up to it. But I like your take on it because their working definition is obviously do we see any type of current team or current variables that could get there as well as a foreseeable future? Well, the NFL has done quite a good job of helping with the foreseeable future and even the current <laughs> one. They're adding games to the regular season. We already have 17, and I think they're almost continu or continuously working to try and get an 18th. I mean, remember, the NFL is a money-driven business. If they can get more games stuffed into this season, regardless of player safety, they will do it because they want money. So that being said, is there a set of variables? Absolutely. We're adding games to the regular season. What makes it obviously still tough, and I still think it belongs on this list, is because it's a lot of games. It really is. Someone has to be really, really bad True. to get there. I think the percentage of it on a scale of Cy Young versus this, I think it's much more closer to the right-hand side of the spectrum compared to Cy Young. I think there is a possibility. It's tough because... Even with a bad team like the Lions or any other franchise that has a bunch of losing games, getting there is very, very tough. But I do like your take because I think the thing that's going to help your argument as the NFL continues to add games, they're going to help you make it easier because going from a 16-game season to another 16-game season, almost another 16-game season and losing that many games is very difficult. But if you continue to add games in the regular season – and your team never really finds its stride, and so now you're a 0 and 18. Mm -hmm. 26 isn't that far away, especially if you only have to lose eight more games on top of it. Facts, facts. And I think uh, I I I, I want to say 
let me see the I wanted to mention too the closest record to that is the Lions. They actually had 19 in a row that they lost. It was over three seasons, with one of them obviously not winning any games when they went 0 and 16. That's a lot of losses too. And then the next record, the the next one down was 18, which was the Houston Oilers back in. Wow. Ironically enough, it was the same year the Dolphins went undefeated. It, I mean, 72. That, yeah, that would make sense. Typically, when you're looking at teams that have a bunch of wins, there's always going to be other teams that they're not have doing a lot. so hot. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One has a lot. Yeah, so, and that's what, I, that, and the reason, the, my biggest reasoning behind this one, um, before we move to the next one, is the 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 league itself is it can be very top heavy um i do believe you know with 17 games as well i think you'll see more teams win 15 and 16 games if they get that hot get on the streak and the schedule plays out the way it should um that that's something that i could see definitely happen where teams go 15 and 2 16 and 1 and then you know your bottom teams that just can't say they you know, to get a bad quarterback in the draft that was supposed to save their franchise. That's happened before. <laughs> um, that could easily happen, and then all of a sudden, you just you got the lottery pick already. Odds are you lost a lot of games the year before. You go into the season, you start this number one overall pick, doesn't pan out, and then you, the next season starts, and you're like, all right, let's bring in some competition. He wins the job. <laughs> He wins the job, he continues the bomb, and then there you go. And like you said, because there is more games, it's more of a likelihood I think it could happen as well. So I do think that's something that I'll see in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it's, like I said, as long as they continue to add games, it's adding more and more chances to actually be broken. Uh, hopefully we don't see that happen. Just feel bad for those, but... Uh... Uh, it's all right. Yeah, it happens. That's, I mean, you got to learn from them. Sometimes it has to happen in order for things to get a little bit better. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next quote-unquote unbreakable record. Uh, bring up my list here. I'm going to go with – I'm going to jump to the NBA. Okay. And we're talking about Mr. Wilt Chamberlain, who holds a lot of different records. True. Uh Obviously, he got very lucky and played in an era that he was able to dominate. Uh, his The record that we're going to talk about here, because there's, honestly, there's just like Cy Young in baseball, where Chamberlain kind of has one of those funny records that, I mean, seriously just can't be touched, period. Right. But this one, I think I'm going to have a little bit different of opinion than you. And this record is the amount of average points in a per season. Or in a in a specific season, he averaged fifty point four points in one season, which is mm. obviously quite a bit. In today's game, players that get to thirty, you're probably leading the league and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Fifty is on another another plane of existence uh, mm. at this point. Now, granted, remember, if you don't know, he averaged fifty point four points that season. He finished second in the MVP voting for some unfathomable reason. Uh, the same year, Oscar, yeah, the same year Oscar Robinson averaged a triple double and finished third in the MVP voting, as well as Bill Russell is the one that won it, and he was averaging 18 and 25, something like that. Uh, the 50.4 is a lot. We have actually seen many, many players come through. Obviously, the GOAT, or at least I consider the GOAT, is Michael Jordan. He never got there. Uh, we saw a lot of high-scoring players like Kobe Bryant couldn't do it. LeBron James never did it. But this is where, to me, working off of that definition that we set earlier, this is where, honestly, currently, there's no way. There's, there's no one here. There are some players that... Could make it very interesting depending on how things go. Interestingly enough, just for uh, sheer coincidence, DeMar DeRozan actually broke one of Wilt's records uh, just last night when he got his seventh straight game of at least 35 points and shooting 50% from the field. Shout out uh, to DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, that's super impressive. Uh, 
But this is where this is the type of record I think it's breakable. Mm. It's that foreseeable future instead of variables. That's where I have gone on record and said multiple times that I truly believe the NBA. It's a truly an entertainment sport. They want to see a lot of scoring. Fans want to see a lot of scoring. And what do they love most, Fletch? What is the, what is probably up there with maybe dunking that they want to see more often? It's crazy that we're saying that. The, the three ball. The three ball. And guess what? The NBA hasn't been around all that long comparatively to baseball. It didn't take them very long to add the three-point line in relative terms. I am on the on the on the side of truly believing that the NBA will add a four point line and maybe even a five point line, maybe not within my lifetime, but somewhere down the road they will add those. It's going oh. to be a very high scoring sport, maybe not wanted, but at the same time, it will happen. They want it entertaining. Mm. They want high scoring. Everyone loves the three ball. Oh, my goodness. They shot from half court. The crowd goes wild. And now you add a four-point line, and these players are not devolving from just going from shooting a bunch of threes to shooting mid-range again or just dunking. These players are being conditioned and groomed from a very young age. Even if you're a big center, you shoot the three. If you can shoot the three and bring out the defense, you're going to go a long way in the sport. So I truly believe that somewhere down the road, this record will be broken. Fletch, I hear, I hear uh, that you don't agree with me. Don't. I don't. I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I really do. But I don't agree. I can't. 50? I don't know if I don't know if forty will happen. I mean, the more games that we just talked about in the NBA or in the NFL being played, the more point Ooh. opportunities is there. Mm-hmm. That's that's okay. where I'm standing with it. But I can totally understand why you hate that because, man, averaging fifty is whew, crazy sauce. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it it is. It really is. To me, averaging thirty five is crazy. Yeah. So, and I, I, okay, in today's league, obviously. So, okay, let me let me let me. I guess let me uh, unpack this a little bit. So, okay, fifty points in a season. That's night in and night out, hovering around fifty points a game. That's. With 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 threes, and I give you threes. The record on three, I, I need to look this up. I think the record is fourteen. I want to say I think the record was twelve. Then, which was Kobe, and then Clay broke it, and then I think Steph broke it. <laughs> I, I believe that's what happened. Um, most was it most threes in a game? Yeah, it's. I can understand. No, it is thirteen. It I'm is sorry. Thirteen, but okay. It will continue to rise. The, okay, so this is this is. I'm just gonna unpack this. So that's 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 39 points. 13 threes is 39 points. So to get to 50, obviously you need some twos as well. And I get where you're going with the whole 4.5 point thing. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I truly don't know. I don't think there will be a five. But a four. I, I agree with you to it. I agree with you, but I don't know if it will be in our lifetime. It it almost feels like it could be, but I just don't see it. I think there's a lot of people that there's more. There's enough people that don't want to see that happen. But I think in the future that may change. There's going to I think be more people that want to see that happen. And I think that it is a good idea because it won't sound as crazy anymore with some guys shooting from, you know, forty anyways. So. Even with that, though, like you have to shoot a really high percentage of those three point shots to get there. And I mean, like, and these guys are there's guys now shooting 40 plus with a very high volume. Like we're talking guys, I think you would have to shoot essentially double, maybe even triple the amount of threes you're shooting now and shooting over 50, over 45 percent. 
it, and I and I just don't know if that I don't I don't think that would happen because it's not going to happen from the inside like Wilt. Like Wilt did this with no threes. Don't get me wrong, the era was different, but Wilt did this with no threes. That's mm-hmm. twenty essentially. You know, I know there's still free throws, but that's twenty five field goals. So I don't I don't know. The closest we've seen is Jordan with thirty seven um, in the eighties, Kobe with. 35 and 06 and then James Harden I believe was uh 17 and he had 36. Those are the closest that I've that I that I think we've had since Wilt retired. Yeah, it's it's crazy and I think a nice counterpoint to my argument would be the fact that it would be a much more slow or lower percentage shot. But that's kind of where we were with when threes were first introduced. Uh, the, the, the talk when it came to like coaching and how you ran your offense was, you know, you run your offense. And if you had to shoot a three, great. But it was a low percentage shot. So a lot of old school coaches did not like them. But as the sport has evolved and we start seeing more Steph Curry's and people wanting to be Steph Curry. Hmm, and true. the offense is just designed to shoot threes. That is the whole purpose of the NBA. I remember seeing a game last year where it went down to the final shot. They were down two points. Down two points. I'm not sure who it was. I can't remember that part. But when they ran the out-of-bounds play with about two seconds left or three seconds left, whatever it was. It was for three. Uh, every single person went to the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Every I'm okay with that. Single one. And I get it. If you want to try and go for the win, much like in the NFL when you're going for two for the win, I get it. But I mean, that's the mindset now. And just like in the NFL, the analytics are, I'm not going to settle for three. I'm going to go for a touchdown instead. I may not get it, but I'm going to go for the touchdown even though it's you know fourth and True. one, something like that. So the analytics are pushing a lot of these sports forward to take a lot more risks. That's just kind of how things are right now. But fair. Yeah. So it, before we move before yes. we move on to there's two there's two things I do want to point out though that I think because I get where you're going and the, and the explanations is spot on for what for you know your argument. The two things that I think might make this an unbreakable record though is one being guys are resting. Yep. Two being there will be a in-season tournament at some point in the foreseeable future. So I guess, and then my last thing for you is to throw this back to you before we go to the next topic or next, uh, next record. Do you, do you, you believe that this will be broken? Do you believe this will be broken in your lifetime or would it have to be after? It's, it's after, I mean, we have to, like I said before, with this type of record, the reason Welt was able to do it was because there was the type of players that he played against lined up. Uh, obviously, he was super athletic, so you need the right type of player in order for this to happen. And just the rules that were designed to help him score a lot of points. Uh, the rules are helping. They're trending in the right direction, but we're not there yet. Obviously, we've gone quite a bit since his time frame with, like you said, Jordan was the closest one at 37 per season in in that specific season this is well beyond we have to obviously we have to get the four point line potentially even a five point line the game's going to have to evolve another step before we can start seeing this happen but we're already seeing the type of players that we need the curries the hardens the three-point colossals not just specialists that get past the ball every once in a while ones that literally take over games because I mean, who's going to guard you when you're almost at half court? You need LeBron and Steph Curry and Dame Lillard all in one. <laughs> you would need someone. And that's the other key to my argument is we're conditioning players to be like them. True. We don't want the guys that just turn their back to the basket anymore. They do in college, but the NBA is a totally different sport. They don't want that. Very rarely, unless you're just a shack, basically. You're, you're, so far amazing at that area now they want you to pull the big guy out they want driving lanes they want that big guy to be able to shoot the three to keep teams off balance right so oh i'm sorry the record is 14 clay thompson broke steph curry's record i apologize yeah 
So it's trending in the right direction as for players, and I think it's trending in the right direction for rules. Still need to see the right step happen. Obviously, being able to score more points from a single shot, as well as the right set of circumstances has to figure out. It's not within my lifetime. It may may not even be in the next lifetime, but it's it's weird. We talked about it off air. The amount that the sport has changed in such a short period relative to other sports, who knows? Maybe in the next lifetime we could see this happen because of how it evolves. But Fair enough. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's not crazy talk, even though maybe back when Wilt did it, it was. But the way that the sport is evolving going to take generations to get there is what you're saying but yeah. the way the sport and the direction of the sport is reason why it will happen exactly just like we stated <laughs> earlier with Cy Young baseball would have to devolve back to what it was doing in order for anybody to even touch it because if you look at the most career complete games in a single season top 100 they're all in the 1800s there's only like three or four of them that get out of the 1800s and it it's just not going to happen. Whereas this one actually, again, percentage wise, still probably much less than a half a percent of a chance, but just, just wait, see what happens. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just wait. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Fletch, give us another one that, and you tell us, is it should be on this list or maybe it shouldn't be. Yes, sir. We're going to go to uh, Ricky Henderson in stolen bases. Uh, Rick Anderson was a master at this, obviously the GOAT, because he has the record. Um, the record being 1,406. Um, I don't know who's, um, you know, been anything. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that's flurried with this. Is there anybody even over 1,000? Uh, I want to say there are a couple, because I was just looking at this list, uh, just the other day, let me bring it back up here because actually one of those names that was, I think, close to on that list uh, was Billy Hamilton. Because uh, he has stolen quite a bit. Good old baseball reference if you ever want to look at these stats. Uh, there is no other player that has at least a 1,000. The next closest player is Lou Brock. Uh, he has 938. <laughs> exactly. I don't see it happening, man. Um, I'm just reading here. It would take 70 stolen bases in 20 consecutive seasons, and you still can't do it. That's amazing. That's a lot of freaking bases, man. Yes. Yes, it is. That one's not going to be broken to me. It's one that, you know, depends on how baseball evolves, like you mentioned. But that's also, you know, I, I feel like not only would a player like this evolve, other players would, and the game would evolve to where, you know, you're going to be able to protect yourself from a stolen base. Like, you know, like guys are now. That's the reason why I don't think it's been touched as well is because no one, one, has came around that's as good nor as bold to do it because it is bold to do so. And then the other thing is I think that pitchers and also other players and, and whatnot are, are just more aware of that that being a possibility. And, and, and taking those factors in consideration and the fact that no one's within 400 of of his record, I just don't see it happening. Honestly, you know, as much as I would like to counter this, I'd have to agree. I mean, we're looking at a sport that is evolving into, has has completely evolved into strikeouts or home runs. I mean, that's kind of where we are with the sport. Very rarely do we see, I mean, Billy Hamilton's the newest one to this list. He has 914 in his 14-year career, which... I wouldn't have been able to tell you that he got to 900. I know he stole a lot of bases when he was with the Reds, but he also had the issue of getting on base. He never had, was never a great player to get on base, but was good enough to get to 900. Yeah. Uh, must be doing something right. But when you're looking at the rest of these names on this list, yeah, it's a lot of older names. There is not really any other noticeable name that plays in this era because it's a lot of players that, 
you're either going to hit a home run or you're going to strike out. Yeah, it's you got to get on base to steal a base. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't steal a base if you're just jogging around them. I mean, you can, uh, you know, managers try to do it all the time when they're yelling and screaming, but uh, it just it's just not going to happen unless the game changes again, which I don't see happening. We're getting the universal DH, which means we're taking the pitchers out of it, not that they were going to steal bases anyway. But if you're going to change the NL to go from more of a small ball mentality to more of a AL mentality, yeah, it's – yeah, it's – I just don't see it happening. And there's no – there's nothing that's telling us that it has a chance to either. With you. I'm with you. We agree on this one. This is when we see eye to eye on. I'm still gonna get. I'm still gotta give you hell for Wilt though. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you wait. If you can live another 150 years, I think I'll try. You will see it. I'll uh, try. <laughs> I don't know if you want to try that. <laughs> I can no. see you now, just in your little motorized hover scooter. Yeah, hey man, they might. Hey, you know, you don't know what they'll have out in 50 to 60 years if I'm still here. Nah, I don't even want to live that long. <laughs> it would be. Oh my goodness! Unless medicine changes quite a bit, I I don't see that being as a a, a thing that you want to do. It's a shot they're gonna give us. <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility, sadly enough. Oh gosh. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another one on this list. Uh. Let's talk about hockey. We haven't really delved into hockey, and really there are uh, several records very similar-esque to baseball that aren't going to be touched, and I think this one is another one that truly belongs in this list. It's Mr. Wayne Gretzky's career points. Uh, he currently in, has the record for 2,857 uh, career points in his hockey uh, career. Uh, career points, I'm just kind of pulling it up here because I had it uh, just pulled up the other day. Again, if you want to look at it, if you go to hockey.reference.com, uh, he has 2,857. The next closest player who actually just recently retired, Mr. Yamir Yager. Everybody knows him from his early Pittsburgh days, and then he went on a, a journeyman-type uh, career to many other teams. He's second on this list. With 1,921, just getting less than 100 away is impressive. Less than 1,000. Less than 1,000, correct. Yes, less than 1,000. He doesn't even, he's not even close to 2,000. <laughs> and Wayne Gretzky is less than 200 away from 3,000. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. This one is honestly, truly unbreakable. Now, I say that with a slight grain of salt because if you're a historian of hockey, you'll remember this name of Mr. Gordy Howe, the original mm -hmm. great one. The original one that literally played until 1980. He played from 1946 to 1980. Uh, his career points are 1850. Uh during the time he was playing in the NHL, he actually went over and played with his sons from 1973 to 79. Uh, and he scored a 508 points in his career over there and happened to be the MVP of that league when he was much later in his career. He was the original great one. Then along came Wayne Gretzky that just demolished every record that he had. That alone gives it I would say 0.000001% chance of if someone of the next Wayne Gretzky comes along, maybe it could happen. Mm. It, it, it It's crazy. Again, I'm giving it such a low percentage here, and I truly believe it, it belongs on this list. But nobody thought when Gordy Howe finished that somebody would come along and destroy his records, and Wayne Gretzky did just that. But, now granted, I don't follow hockey as well as I should. 
but I don't know if hockey's really evolved so much from its original days. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm kind of speaking out of uh, both ends here, but I don't think it's really evolved all that much. The only true difference that I remember when I was watching was I remember there was a the blue line rule where you couldn't pass the puck over two lines. They've since gotten rid of that. Mm-hmm. But since then, I don't think the sports evolved all that much. Uh, Fletch, are you also agreeing that Wayne Gretzky is just not going to get touched? Um, actually, no. And I'm I'm going to the only reason I'm saying no is because I don't I I don't think it will happen in my lifetime, but I do think it's achievable. And and and, and why you were trying to mention this? I don't. I'm like you. I don't watch hockey as much as I would like to. Um, it's just not a sport I really get into very much. There have been times like just I don't know random times where I do kind of deep you know, dive into it just a little bit, but I can't actually say I'm a hockey fan. One thing though that I do notice with hockey is, um, it's almost like it feels there's cycles almost like there's these generational talents that consistently just pop up. Um, more recently, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. The one thing I'm going to mention is this: is that Alex Ovechkin. I'm going to pull up just to make sure I'm not missing on Sid the kid here. He's not a kid anymore. He was when I was a kid. Yeah, I wanted to bring him up too. Both of these guys. So I'll, I'll start with Gretzky. Right, let's 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 back it up a little bit. I'll start with Gretzky. So essentially, do this, you would need eleven straight seasons over a hundred points. Is that right? No, assist is what you need. That part is the part that's going to be very hard. But the goals, I think is something that we may see. The reason why I bring up Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby is they did have multiple seasons where they put up a good amount of goals. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, Wayne Gretzky still tops them, but at the same time, I think we may see one of these generational players that is just able to score a crap ton of goals. The kicker is going to be the assist. Are they going to be able to maintain scoring for let's say about eight plus years of their career of over 65 goals along with a hundred assists. That's going to be the question. Wayne Gretzky's assist record is ridiculous. I think he was like 11 or 12 straight seasons of over a hundred assists. That is going to be the tough thing that's that, that that's not going to allow somebody to break this record. I'm like you with the uh, will record. There's probably a less than 1% chance of this, but I do see this happening because one, Hockey, the only thing with hockey that's changed right now is the save percentage. But if you have, you know, some young stud that comes in the league that can score at will, I think it can happen. The only thing that's going to be in its way is is, is going to be uh, there's a rule or not a rule. I'm sorry. It's not a rule. It's how goals are defended now. I think there were certain techniques that just were not even in existence until the 80s. Uh, 90s-ish, and this was like after Gretzky went off, and then you can even see towards the second half of Gretzky's career, I'm looking at hockey reference as well, the second half of his career he didn't touch 100 assists anymore, didn't quite get to um, uh, the the 65-plus the goals that he was kind of accustomed to for, what is that, a, a five, a four-year span, and a couple more years of over 50 so I, I think because of those things, one, it, it's going to be very hard. And also you're going to have to have the longevity. You're going to have to have a, a, you know, 18 to 22 year, you know, career, 20 average, a 20 year career, essentially. Yeah, it's, his records are very similar to Wilt's that they're just insane. Like they're mm-hmm. so much higher than everything else. There are uh, same with Cy Young. He's just one of those all-time great players that what he did I just don't see it I mean there's a small glimmer like we mentioned with maybe the next one comes along you never know but man is it gonna take someone truly special in order to really touch any one of his marks (laughs) what he did Uh, it is clearly insane uh 
So Fletch, let's go ahead and finish with one more here. Give the people one more record that you maybe think should be on this list, shouldn't be on this list. Uh, let's go into one more. Kind of glad we saved this one for the end. I'm going with Jerry Rice's receiving record. Um, Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, obviously to most people is the goat receiver all time. Crazy amount of records broken or set broken and set. Cause I mean, if it's Jerry Rice, we talk about whatever record was in the past, he broke it and then kept going and going and going and set it. Um, not many people can say I set records. You can say I break them. He sets them. Um, the the receiving record of all time is the one that I that we're talking about here, and that's twenty two thousand eight hundred and ninety five. Gosh, twenty two thousand eight hundred and ninety five yards. Um, he had a span from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety six of at least a thousand every season. And only one of those seasons, it was under 12, or I'm sorry, yeah, under 1,200. Along that same time frame, Clark, he had one, two, three, mm, four, five seasons, and I'm going to say five, of over 1,499 yards. He was one yard shy, one year of 15. Insane. In one of those years, and I and I'd be crazy not to mention this, 1995, 1,848 yards. Jerry Rice truly has probably some of the most unbreakable records. Um, Clark, we're going to get into this one just a little bit. This is one record that I believed for a long time was unbreakable. This record is breakable. Interesting. This record is breakable in our lifetime. That's that's very interesting. I, I'm I maybe on the limb on this one, and I might be in the mind. I am in the minority. I know I'm in the minority because I guarantee a whole bunch of people look at me like I'm crazy. The reason I'm gonna tell you this: this is a passing league. You mentioned it just like the NBA. The same thing is happening in the NFL. The rules have changed to help the offense. Just like in basketball, the rules have changed to help the offense. Not only just the rules, the officiating has changed to help the offense to a degree. There's some things that are just like, you know, competition committees like, no, not having it. Same thing with the NBA, not having it. But there's enough rules and enough officiating changes that have happened and will continue to happen that Jerry Rice actually benefited a little bit from. But I think a lot of these receivers in the future will. You also are starting to see NFL quarterbacks throw over 5,000 yards, and we have an additional game. And you mentioned it earlier in the show. There may be an additional game. Make him go to 18. We just saw Cooper Cup get a triple crown. So, which Jerry Rice did um, actually just once. Yeah, they were the only two that's ever done it, and they both done it. Uh, there's an, there is another guy, and then technically he didn't have he tied in one of the categories, and that's Steve Smith, mm. which was actually shocking to me. I mean, Cooper Cup is still shocking to me to a degree, but I watched the whole season, so I can I, I so we saw it, so it's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> we believe saw he was always it with open. Your own eyes. Yeah, we saw he was that he was always open, <laughs> and he was shifty and he was strong. That's 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 Cooper Cup in a nutshell, and he could catch the ball. That's obvious. That helps. Nonetheless, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So no, I I believe this will be broken because of the volume of passing, the amount of yards thrown. And the this the rules allowing the receivers a little bit more freedom than they used to have, and I would just only imagine that would actually evolve again in our lifetime. You know, we're not. I mean, I'm not talking 10, 10 years or anything. I am talking more so maybe twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. At the same time, that's still within our at least somewhat foreseeable lifetime. So, I I just just because of the way the sport is evolving, a lot of these very great receivers that are coming out. Like, imagine this. 
imagine if Randy Moss had Tom Brady his whole career, not just the one season. Imagine if Calvin Johnson was paired with an Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like that is what's going. This it's it's almost like a it's like a solar eclipse. That's what happened, honestly. Montana to Rice. I mean, that's like a that should be. Tra- I feel like it is trademarked. It might. Be, I don't even know. It might be. And then also you had Young to Rice. You had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing to the best receiver of all time. Most would say. Yeah. Personally, my favorite, my my goat receiver is Randy Moss. That's who I grew up on. That's who I saw. Sorry, Jerry. I get it. But Randy's my guy. Imagine if, and I'm not saying Randy didn't play with good quarterbacks, but imagine if Randy Moss played with a top five quarterback of all time, because Joe Montana is that. What would we see? Same thing with the Calvin Johnson or, you know, any one of these, like, just, I'm not even going to say elite athletes, once in a lifetime athletes or once in a generation athletes, I should say, paired up with once in a, with, with a Hall of Fame quarterback. In the next 20 years, when the league evolves again, possibly, <laughs> that is what we might see, I believe. Is that is that record fall as long as those two players stick together? And let's, let's remember, great quarterbacks don't change teams very consistently for the most part. Like, that just doesn't really happen. If you're a great, great quarterback, you're not, you're probably not going anywhere until you get old. Or you may start somewhere, get traded, and you pop off and you stay there for a while. Same thing, and I would, not so much the same thing with receivers, but if the receiver is paired with the thus quarterback, how often do we see them move as well? Just doesn't happen as much. And that's just another reason why I think that will that record will fall. It, it's interesting. You brought up some very good points, and I think if I – if you would have asked me when I was younger, obviously, Jerry Rice is my greatest of all time when it comes to receivers. Obviously, the records are there. I grew up being a Niners fan, watching a little bit of Montana to Rice, but a lot more young to Rice. Uh, truly a, a game changer when it came to the wide receiver position. But you brought up two very interesting facts that one helps you and one kind of does the opposite. The first is obviously what we've mentioned several times is they're adding games to the season. They're giving the opportunity to add more yardage to the end of the season. It's there. You're giving the opportunity. You're not taking it away. It's going to help. The other point that you brought up was the pairing of quarterback and receiver. Like we mentioned with Jerry Rice, he got very fortunate that it was pretty much Montana to Rice and pretty much young to Rice. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that he got very, very lucky to be with. And even some would argue that helping that helped his career a little bit even further was even Jeff Garcia was a, a decent enough quarterback even when Young had retired. But that's going to be a little bit of a hindrance and a help. If you can get that put together, like what we saw with a little bit later coming with Manning and Marvin Harrison or Manning mm-hmm. and Reggie Wing, like it mm-hmm. does happen. And like you mentioned the great quarterbacks, the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, typically don't move teams. And if they find a good receiver that pairs with them early on in their careers, it can happen. There's definitely no doubt about it. But there's a lot of other variables that are helping your cause. Obviously, the changing of how the offense is played, how the defense can hit the receivers. A lot of that is helping. I'm actually looking at the list of all-time receiving yards. Uh, Larry Legend, or... The new Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald, is second most all time at 17,492. 5,000 yards short, more than a little bit more than 5,000 yards short of Jerry Rice's record, meaning he'd have to have another five really good seasons in order to catch it. And also the quarterback situation. Right. He dealt with. Basically nothing for quite a while until he had Carson Palmer there. Um, Kurt Warner. And Kurt Warner there as well. It so was yeah, sporadic, though. That's going to be the problem. We might see some of these great receivers like a Randy Moss be with a team short periods of time. And then all of a sudden the coaching changes, the quarterback changes, he switches teams. All of a sudden he's going to the Raiders and does nothing. All of a sudden, then all of a sudden, he goes to the Patriots and 
Oh my goodness, he revives his career. It can happen. There's those type of variables that are definitely well within play, but they are very specific. You have to have a Hall of Fame quarterback or quarterbacks that are in a pass-happy team, can't mm-hmm. be like on the Ravens, and be running the ball 24-7. It's difficult. It is very difficult to get to that number. Uh, the next closest active player is Julio Jones, which uh, has 13,317th all-time. It's tough, but I will say this. I, I would agree with you that it's going to happen... I don't know if it's going to happen within our lifetime. It probably will be happening after our lifetime, in, in my opinion. Even though it is nice that the sport is trending that way, you just have to have those certain set of variables, and sometimes those are the toughest ones to have. You may have everything else line up, but even like the likes of Aaron Rodgers throwing to uh, like, uh, Devontae Adams. Monta Adams currently 102nd on the all-time list at just over 8,100. It it takes a special combination in order for that to happen. Absolutely, absolutely, it, and I think that's what we have to. I think that's what I I foresee. I guess happening. And to be honest with you, there is somebody that could do it that's playing right now. Who do you think that is? Jamar Chase. Interesting. And the reason why I say this, I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying this is this is kind of the, what I mean by the stars aligning. Is that you draft like for instance, we you use the Colts. Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning, I believe, came into the league either the same year or just a year apart. Um, I would have to go back and look at Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice also benefited from transitioning from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another and the transition was extremely seamless because Jerry Rice was under Joe Montana. So it just transitioned very similar to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. The problem is there was no with, and and this is no knock on Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne. This is no knock on any green Bay receiver. The stars didn't quite align for that to be that receiver's entire career. Whereas in Cincinnati, if Joe Burrow can stay healthy 10 plus years and you have an understudy that can continue and Jamar Chase can play the same type of career that Jerry Rice does, or at least similar, then I think you can see that happen. I'm not saying that that's going to be the guy, but that's just an example of a quarterback and a wide receiver aligning while they're very young in their careers and possibly be able to play a long time. I do agree with you on the the difficulties of that variable happening, and there's a few other variables that do make this difficult, which is, one, games played. Nobody on this list is over 300 except Jerry Rice. The closest is, I don't even know, I want to say it's like 270-something, and that was Tony Gonzalez, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, has 270. I think there's another player with 270. But if I look at a couple other current, you know, not so much current players, but players that we actually grew up on a little bit and saw play being Larry Fitzgerald, 263. Had he stayed a little bit more healthy, his career played three more years because he could if he had a better quarterback to play with his entire career, possibly. And had he avoided a few injuries there in spots, that's one. That's another thing as well. And then also, if I look at T.O., who was seven seven thousand yards short? His career was much shorter, along with bouncing around from team to team, where he didn't have that Hall of Fame quarterback. It has to be again, no knock to Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. It does have to be a guy that has like that prowess, that elite level of play. Like a and and he's not that high on this list, um, or as high as he really could have been had he been on a better team, and that's. Um, Calvin Johnson, because um, I think he has some years without Stafford, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there there's a lot that goes into it. I do, and, and again, these are these are we're considering these unbreakable records, anyways, Clark. That's one thing, but these are the ones that I think the variables could happen. And I personally, I, I agree with you saying it could happen as well. But where I'm at is, I think it will happen a little sooner than later, just with the way they throw the ball now. 
I just think there's there's a more likelihood of it to happen as the years goes on. And yes, if it doesn't happen in my lifetime and it does, and it's in the next one, then 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 yeah, that's all well and fine. But I I just have a feeling that it happened before I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I based can... on how things are going. Yeah, totally agree with you. Just the way that the sport has evolved in much more pass happy league, it's definitely out there. There's definitely opportunities for it to happen, assuming. Joe Burrow can stay healthy, and Jamar Chase continues to do what he does after a phenomenal rookie season. There's opportunity out there. It's and with the games being played, it's there. It's hard to see, but like just about every single one that we've talked about today, the percentage of them actually happening is very, very minute. It it, it takes a special set of circumstances for these to happen, but based on the working definition we had to work with earlier. It's about either the current set of circumstances or the futuristic set of circumstances. Uh, and like we found out with several of these that maybe we agreed or disagreed on, the type of sport and how it's evolving is a huge factor in giving someone of very huge skill set just the opportunity to even try. Mm-hmm. you're going to find players that have the opportunity to try and their skill set's just not there or it is there and something comes along where not the opportunity gets taken away either via injury or uh, how the game gets changed, something along those lines. So uh, it was a very interesting conversation. I'm glad that we had this one. Uh, there's a lot of different records that are out there, obviously ones that on one side of the spectrum are untouchable there's just literally no way that the opportunity is even there currently or even in the future but we also found ones on this list that may be sliding off this list sometime maybe even within our actual lifetime uh similarly to the jerry rice as well as potentially the wilt one even though uh you don't quite see it as well as i do but that's fine that's the whole point of this conversation is just to try and figure out do they truly belong to be on this list or is something changing that will allow these records to be broken one day? Um, so great conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. Fletch, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I know definitely got into some of those topics a little bit more. Oh yeah. Uh, so we will be, uh, putting together another podcast i think next week we actually might be doing it a day sooner but it will still come out on the same time so really no change to everybody out there listening uh but for us we may have to do it a day sooner that's totally fine you will not see any interruption in aka sports fletch anything else before we sign off no happy goat day it's jordan's birthday by the way happy goat day um Nope, signing off, man. Um, like I mentioned before, hit us up, aka sport at aka sports pod on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash aka sports FB. Um, hit us up on Anchor FM, search for us, aka sports. Find us on every podcast that you can, Spotify, Apple. We appreciate the listeners. We appreciate the views on YouTube as well. Search for us there. And Clark, I kick it back to you, man. We're signing off. Absolutely. A great topic today. We're looking forward to the next one. As for now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo. That's Fletch, and we're out. Peace.